lots of uh, Miss Marple music in this one. To begin with, yeah, yeah, like, clarinet. I thought. I wouldn't say clarinet. Could have been something or other, wasn't it? It was some sort of woodwind yeah, because it was quaint music, quaint village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. The show is the tales of the unexpected. The podcast is also that of what we've just said, and it is not. We, we're not calling it that as the title, but we can't really we ever remember what the title is. So we we just we've not said it for a few weeks now. And but what this episode was called was Fat Chance. Fat chance yeah. This is. One of those situations, like we've said before, do people, do agents get in touch with the people who are on their books to say, you're fat, you'll do, or do they approach it with kid gloves and say, ah, I've got a, a role for you here that you might enjoy. What's the role? Are you, well, you, the thing is, it's, uh, it needs somebody with curly hair, which is you. It needs somebody who's called... Uh, begin, let, name begins with an M. That's, that's also you. And they're fat. What? What's that to say? <laughs> uh, they're fat. Did you say fat? Well, oh, you said no. Well, actually, it, does, it mentions fat here. But so, that, what do you think they do? Well, I suspect it depends how far down the uh, sort of casting list you are. You know, if you're in general casting, yeah. Whereas you, and you've not got a name, then I suppose you'll be you'll be sort of there'll be a draw. With just that just says fat actors in it, <laughs> like a database. Yeah. Do you qualify for yeah, this? Yeah, like where everybody cross, everybody like sort of cross referenced tall, thin actors. You know, like Stephen March and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, according to their sort of individual idiosyncrasies. Yeah. But if you're sort of reasonably famous, then they'll probably go for you under your name. So I would have thought with Bernard. Out of uh, Blackadder, yeah. that would she be famous? You know, she wouldn't. Would she? I don't really? think she'd have been too. Fa- maybe on the stage. I'll but, tell you uh, one thing I've learned about her today, though, yeah. which is a surprise. Right? You know the Cadbury's caramel advert. Yeah. You know uh, the bunny, the, the sexy bunny. Yeah. No, yeah. that was her voice. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Now, doesn't that change sort of things? It you know? changes everything. Oh my god. Hey, Mr. Hello? Beaver. Why are you beavering around? Anyway. <laughs> right. This is a, not a Roald Dahl story. It's introduced by Roald Dahl. Which it says so on the title screen. Yeah. And what it actually is, is a story by Robert Block, who more famously, probably, uh, along with his Lovecraft affiliation, is uh, the author of Psycho. So he... and I don't know when this was written compared to when Psycho was written, but uh, regardless, I think this is our key. This episode is our key to be heard by Chris Lackey and Chad Pfeiffer from the HP Lovecraft uh, podcast. <laughs> because the this ties in with their kind of... Weird stories, weird fiction. Oh, there's no monsters in this, right? Yeah. But definitely, they were interested in block. Right. They, they do a blocktober, so maybe we can just say, "Hey, check this one out." Da, 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 da. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I'm going to mention them again. We've done this a time, but please listen to the HP uh, Podcraft podcast. Um, 
hbpodcraft.com, I believe, is the website. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the rest of what we've had to offer, you know, in terms of kind of these weird tales as opposed to the, the monsters of weird fiction. So, this is Fat Chance. Oh, did you find out, by the way, when Robert Block wrote this compared to wrote Psycho? Uh, I've not discovered that yet. I've been I've been having a look, but uh, I've not found anything about this. Uh... All right, well, we'll maybe come back to it later. Let's keep this professional Pfeiffer and Lackey listening. Right, um, <laughs> so uh, it, it starts off again with one of uh, Dahl's stories, and he's talking about the Maharajas in... Uh, India, in, and he says uh, they killed people. They killed their wives. Yeah. Maharajarish, Maharajarish. They seem to regularly. Maharajarish. Ways. Maharaja. I've now stared at this word too long. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it's like looking at somebody's face for too long, and you just go, "Oh God, that's that's what you look like." I've never noticed that before. But what he's saying is that. You know that little kid from the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom? The prince in yeah, yeah, Temple? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that when he wanted to kill a wife, what he would have done is gone and got some tigers, gone and got their whiskers. He, what he does, he first goes out and shoots a tiger. Oh, That's what he does. God. Cuts off his whiskers, then trims them up small and puts them into... The Maharaja's curry. The wife's curry. The wife's curry. And then over a couple of days, it will tear at their intestines and they'll just basically die from internal wounds. Now, I did not remember this coming from this uh, particular... I don't remember this episode at all from my youth. But that story has always stayed with me about the uh, tiger's whiskers. Right, Okay. And it's something that me and my friends... I've always sort of laughed about. Because it can't be true, can it? I don't know. I mean, you see, there's another one that sticks in my mind, and I don't know whether this is a um, Roald Dahl one or not. It might be. About oysters. Right. Where if you want to kill... I think it is. If you want to kill somebody, you get um, a... whatever the collective noun for oysters is. Oyster-eye. An oyster-eye. You bury one in a plant for two or three days, then you put it with the others, it's gone off and it will kill them. Now, I think that's one of Roald's, as, as is this, they're, they're linked together in my yeah, mind. Yeah, well, he's basically saying that because he doesn't live in India and he has no access to a tiger... That if he when he when he wants to kill his wife, he has to do it a different way. We husbands, we husbands. have to use less refined methods. Yeah. That's what that's, that's what, what he, he says. says. So then it cuts to the action where it joins a nice swooping camera shot of a village, plinky plonky, Miss Marple's Agatha Christie style music. It looks like one of them sort of villages where everybody knows everybody. There is a chemist. We see the chemist, he's closing, yeah. and he looks, and the chemist is there, and he looks at these bottle of pills, and he, and oh, kind of, well, hang on, there's some pills here. And I think he's, what we later find out is, he's more looking about who they're for and what's being supplied, okay, because he's making up a prescription. Then, it I mean, because could, it's, it's oh. the beginning here, I'll just say, the music, as you say, is quite light. No synth, because nothing's happening. No, no rock and roll at the moment. It's, you know, we've, 
we're not sure what it is, is it clarinet, but it's woodwind or something like that, I think, and it's all very sort of trilly, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, it's a it's a sort of idyllic village where basically it seems everybody's leaving work. Leaving work. They're either going into work or leaving work at all times of day. And so there's again there's a lot of that iconic walking. Yeah, and also walking is the doctor who we don't know that the doctor is the doctor at this time but it is in fact Cat Weasel he's Cat, the man who plays Cat Weasel but it's not Cat Weasel the wrestler <laughs> it's Cat Weasel the man who in the show what was called Cat Weasel yeah now, Jeffrey Bailden yeah um, but Cat Weasel the wrestler was somebody else wasn't he and yeah he was yeah he's, uh, he's my mate's uncle is he well you know when people tell you this as as a oh like a friend of the family yeah sort of thing. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking about pointless lies that you've told. Right. And that could have been a pointless lie that somebody said that he's my... It was somebody I went to college with. Her name's Paula. Right. And, I, and she says that Cat Weasel, the wrestler, was my uncle. So maybe or maybe not. I forget her surname, though. But uh, she was a popular girl at college. Um, but I was thinking about the pointless lies I've told. One was that um, I'd... I'd seen just to get in with a group of guys, lads at school, that I'd seen Karate Kid too, and I hadn't. Um, <laughs> well, wouldn't wouldn't that fraught with difficulty? Wouldn't they ask you detail about? Well, it? if you've ever seen the Karate Kid films, you know that it doesn't look like he's got a chance until the end. So you could basically just so you just made it up. I just you? I just knew what was going to happen, and then later on I did see it, and it was you know fortunately I could uh, I could kind of like go along with the story. The other pointless line that I've told. And I have no... I remember telling it and instantly regret telling it. And uh, to this day, I'm probably the only one who remembers me telling this story. And I said it like this, that I was watching Robocop the other day. And I must have been at 11. I was watching Robocop the other day, the original one. And uh, well, it turns out that the man who plays Robocop is my uncle. And I said that. I remember, totally remember saying that. And as soon as I said it, like, what the dick have I just said that before? Like, why? <laughs> why would I do that? Anyway, I did do that. Well, and... I, I've got one. I've got one. It's not quite as dramatic as that. But when I bought the Grease album, when that came out, um, I am one who really likes a bargain, always have been, right? And uh, I bought a copy from the shop, and it was a French import. And the only way you could tell was it said Greece, and then underneath it said La Bande du Original or something like that on it. But I didn't want to look like a cheapskate, so I told people, because in those days, like, imports were expensive. So I told people that I'd paid, like, over the odds for this. And it really rebounded on me, because for years people were laughing and taking the piss because I'd paid extra for a Greece album that I didn't need to. And that's something I've never, ever told them. But it's that thing is where you go so far into the story, but you haven't thought about, hang on, that that's not adding up. Yeah. But the the kind of like making it a bit more exclusive than it actually was is the, ultimately the downfall. It's like being Robocop's nephew is no, uh, it's no laughing matter, really, because <laughs> I had to put up with a lot of press... <laughs> What's he like? That sort of thing. I'm 11 years old, and also it was a lie I used to tell the press. So, <laughs> anyway, um, so this guy, this doctor, goes into the chemist. Yep. 
Okay, and um, by the way, there's a closed sign on the dentist chemist. <laughs> there's a closed sign on the chemist, so he's obviously privileged to go in after hours and stuff. Yeah. In the meantime, a woman walks out of a slimming club and she immediately she eats a, 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 a chocolate of some sort. And you just think that if she's just been to Slimming World, that you at least get around the corner before you start getting the chocolates out and stuff. Um, and then uh, we go back to the chemist and the chemist and the doctor are now talking. The, the doctor is addicted to these painkillers, I guess. Are they some sort of painkillers? Seems to be, doesn't it? It's yeah. some sort of illegal drugs that he shouldn't yeah. be having. He shouldn't be having. He's, 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 yeah. In the past, he's spun this story about this addict who he's, who he's been trying to help. But uh, that seems to have gone by the wayside now. And he, he basically admits that he's got a problem. Uh, yeah. And it seems that the chemist is sort of skimming him out of other people's... Yeah. Well, he, he looks like he's doing him a favour. And actually, I think he, he the, the, the chemist, as we later learn, is not the most moral of men. No. And so he, I think he's potentially building up a bit of a story so that he can get information out of the doctor later on or, or use him for favours later on or something like that. So he's keeping him in his back pocket by allowing this addiction to happen. And uh, from the conversation between the two of them, we also discover at this point that the chemist's having an affair and that he, dis- he disapproves of his wife's weight, yeah. which makes us then think that the person coming out of the slimming world was his wife. Which must be the chemist's yeah. wife. And uh, but I was just thinking that the, the likeness of the, the doctor who's addicted to to his basically the things that he's prescribing people is that thing like Sherlock Holmes would have had a vice, and all the best detectives have got some sort of vice. Yeah, because that it not not necessarily feeds them or makes them do what they need to do but they have to of all the good that they do they have to give in to something that's slightly unpleasant in the world or... well i think there's something about being flawed isn't there that, yeah. that sort of draws draws yeah. you in if you, if you can identify with a flaw in somebody i think it makes them a more sort of sympathetic character yeah because you can't just go around solving crimes and go what's come on what is it and you just go well actually i'm a skag addict and you go right, okay. Now you're one of us. Get in the get in the gag. Well, we say one of us, not one of me. I'm not. Although I recently saw uh, Train Spotting Two, uh-huh. uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's I mentioned to you earlier, didn't I? That it's like you back in a club. That, that it's written. It was written for me. <laughs> it was so nice. Um, but well, yeah, so it, it's still. I I didn't get a job because of Train Spotting. Here's, here's the story. I went to... Uh, I, I was at college and I needed a job. HMV was just open in Doncaster, so I thought, well, a Saturday job or an after-college after job would be perfect. I'll go to HMV. So I hand them a CV in. And they said to me... It was a, the interview was going quite well. And they said, what's your favourite film? Now, at the time, Trainspotting had just about come out. And, no, actually, it had come out on video... Right. And I'd got different video covers for it as well. I was wondering, yeah. I was, I've been having this thought in my head that somebody told me they'd bought yeah. all the different ones. Who's yeah, I got, I got like six different versions of the video because I, I love the movie so much. And I just said, it's train spotting. And the guy looked at me kind of weird and I started to sweat. And he looked at me and he said, do you not think it promotes uh, drug use? And I said, it does exactly the opposite. 
Yeah. And it just well, shows I, you how bad drug use is. I mean, yeah, I, I would have said that, yeah. yeah. And I got quite passionate about it and, of course, never got the job. I could have also just not been very good at customer services or explaining my position. And, uh, and was that just like for some sort of Saturday job? Yeah. And you have to, like, defend your choice of film? Well, it wasn't defending it. It was about the fact that I, th- I thought that he got the story completely wrong. So, well, I wouldn't uh, have expected that yeah. sort of level of detail for a Saturday <laughs> job. Wanker. Right. So we talk. We just mentioned the underhanded drug use. Yeah. Then we uh, go home. She to to the the chemist's home. The wife is there though, and she's putting a Slimming World card back into this hidden place so it doesn't show how much weight she's lost or gained. And um, then she gets out some chockies and starts watching telly. Now it looks like it's something like an antique roadshow show. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. They, they used to have these things, and they used to be on a Friday night when I was when I was young. And they'd produce. It wasn't like Antiques Roadshow, but they'd produce something which was unusual. They'd hand it round the panel, and then the panel'd have to guess what it was. I know that show. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's happened on QI before, where yeah. they said, what do you think this is? Isn't but, but it this usually ends up in a, up in an anus, doesn't it? <laughs> but this would be about, there'd be about five rounds of it. Often Bilotti or somebody would be on it. Yes. And uh, they'd all have to guess. And I used to really quite like that. Yeah, it looked like a good show, and I'd like to have watched it, because they were basically just explaining a whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, a short I've whistle. Guessed, I've guessed it was a whistle. A short whistle yeah. with a point on it, it yeah. seemed. Yeah. So then we cut to a theatre set. With, with a really archetypal director. Yes, uh, with the cravat. And <laughs> the sort of cold Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's definitely that uh, Winterbottom. Is that his name, Michael Winterbottom? The man who died. Don't panic, love, it's a car. Michael Winner? Michael... <laughs> <laughs> yes, like a winner. Don't panic, love. It's a fucking car. <laughs> Something like that. Just yeah, to, David just... Cameron got pulled for it, didn't he? Oh, did he? For, for using it in in the Commons. Yeah. Oh God. Calm down, Calm dear. Down. <laughs> that, was, that was it. Calm down, dear. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, now the play's going on. Then it's rehearsal time. Yeah. Up in the top tier of the theatre. Yeah. There is the chemist yeah. sat there. So the time is never really... I mean, it's obviously chronological, but it jumps around so often yeah. that you're just saying, OK, it's some period in time after the last event. Yeah. And he's sat there and he's... he's and he's right grumpy bastard all the time <laughs> in this. But then this other blondie walks over. A, a woman. A woman, yeah. yeah. She sits next to him, gives yeah. him a peck on cheek, and then she says, How's the pig? Yeah, and she's referring to his wife, and we we so we we assume, we we discover here that this this blonde woman is his mistress, and that she is in fact wife's best friend, but they're absolutely diabolical yeah. about it. I mean, they he calls her fat pig, fat 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 pig, or something like that. Yeah. Suggests that she has to be weighed in a sling. Yes, that's right. Now, this then makes her laugh out loud. <laughs> and then they're told to shut up and clear off, right? <laughs> so they do. Then cuts back to them in an alleyway. Yeah. And they're snogging. And they're being asked to come on stage to do their bit. And then one of them goes, oh, for fuck's sake, come on, just come on, John. And they're called John and Francis. The chemist is called John. And the woman, the philandra woman, is called Francis. In these stories, there's a lot of affairs, isn't there? It seemed like the thing to do in, yeah. in the 80s. Yeah, and, and 
And killing. There's a, there's a lot of killing yeah. in these things. So simply getting a divorce wasn't the option here. No, but, but they come up with this really bizarre plan as to what they're going to do to find out whether he could get a divorce. Yeah. Now, I think that this plan is a lot more trouble than it's worth. Yeah, so they, what they discuss is that they're going to almost start their own rumour about him. About him having an affair with somebody else? In the cast of this play that they're in. And his, his mistress is going to tell his wife about it. Yeah, now, so that gets her off the hook, almost, but... It does, but it puts him it right on it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's absolutely no point in this at all. So, but, but what they're doing it for is to try and gauge her reaction yeah. as to whether she would agree to a divorce or want a divorce yeah. uh, if that were to happen. Now, so, but what she says is that he'll be sorry yeah, and so too will the tramp who's, like, he's mucking around with. Yeah. Now, it, but it, I would have expected more repercussions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She's not, she takes it with a, almost a pinch of salt. Yeah. And it's only ever referred to later on once. Yeah. Once more. And, and, and even then, it doesn't really... So she might be this woman who's actually pretty laid back. Who's like, it's just a rumour. You know, he's not that sort of person. But, you know, we've seen him in action. He is that sort of person. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, this pisses off Francis because she's now being called the Tramp. John then gets home. This is later on, so it's just them two in the house. And there's a very unpleasant hairy leg shot. Oh, good. Well, she's shaving a leg at the breakfast table. With, with, his, with his face razor. With his face razor. And she's talking about the fact that... I mean, he's, he's again, saying, you know, you're, you're just a, a fatty. And she says, it's not, I'm not, it's not because of food, it's my metabolism. Uh, but she does eat a lot, that's the thing. And so it, that, that argument isn't holding at the moment. And it's at this point that she asks him about who were the girls in the play. That's right. And not not like uh, she isn't in investigating or yeah. being ac- accusatory or anything Fran- like that. Francis says, you're having an affair. You know, who yeah. is it? Yeah. What, what's happening? Yeah. That, that, that's, that's what the response would yeah. be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Not sort of, oh, what are the girls like in the play yeah. sort of thing. Who else is in the play? And he says, oh, apart from Francis, there's this lovely blonde. She's not bothered about that one. She ain't bothered about that Anyway, he goes through it and it doesn't seem to phase her. Oh. And carry on as normal. So uh, then she says, "Do you love me?" And he goes, "Yes, of course I do." And and she says, "But you don't say it anymore." He goes, "Well, after ten years, it just doesn't mean anything, does it?" Huh. And then he says, "I tell you what, <laughs> I tell you what, what will make me love you more." And she looks quite excited at this, doesn't she? And I'm I'm sat there thinking. What could this be? Which is uh, Elmerima Lines in bed. Yeah, I mean, were you thinking sexual favours? Yeah. Was she thinking <laughs> sexual favours? I don't know. I mean, it was, they were going somewhere. Because she looked excited, yeah. didn't yeah. she? I, I wasn't making that up. Yeah, so uh, now then, this. so they do... He helps... Sorry, she helps read cut, the lines. Cut, cut to the bedroom. Yeah, and the, the scene that they're at reenacting... He, he, it's a nasty scene. He's like he's being quite scornful to the person he's talking to, but he's taking it out on her, on on the woman, yeah. on his wife. Yeah. He's being quite. Per- he's looking at her personally. He's not acting this. This is really 
this is real and then she says oh it's not a very good play is it it's like, <laughs> I don't really like this woman the uh, the wife apart, anyway. apart from her propensity to how to shave her hairy legs at the breakfast and table and there is constant eating and I know that's probably because we have 20 minutes to fill so, anyway so now he's putting a sticker on his on his window to, to advertise the play and, and a pig <laughs> a van with a, a pig van, on it a arrives. van with a pig drives past just after the van with the pig arrives there's a conversation between Francis and John where she says I work for a solicitor so I know the law you're a pharmacist so you know about I don't know if she's medicines and death or something yeah so, on the basis that the divorce is a non-starter, I'm thinking Francis is sort of running this let's kill her hair in a bit of a sort of roundabout way. We go into the chemist now, the doctor comes back, and he's talking then about the fact that he's, he's putting in a lot of pills that don't do anything into patients, and he's, so he's skimming the, the real pills to give to the doctor. Uh, now, this this led me on to those kind of placebo things. Yeah. And it's almost like when the band placebo came out and everybody worked out what it meant, all of a sudden realised that they'd been lied to for years by, by doctors and GPs and stuff. But that became quite a fashionable word. And I think even now people are talking about placebo. Oh, it's just placebo. It's like, it's a really kind of, it's a buzzword in, in the getting well so. <laughs> and, and it's something you know that really sort of I sometimes worry about it I always think what if at some point some doctor's given me a placebo I've apparently recovered and they're sort of going nothing <laughs> 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 wrong with the guy so what they're, what they're also talking about is uh, you know is there any link between compulsive eaters and addicts yeah, um, like addicted to food. In other words, that's what he's saying. And the the doctor kind of gives some sort of business advice. I say business, I mean doctor business advice. <laughs> um, but it looks like he's got some knowledge. Now this leads the John character to think, oh, you know what I'll do is I'll I'll get him to speak to my wife. Yeah, about this. So now because of where we are in the show and what happens at the end. That seems like a nice thing that he's doing. So I think then, when John talks to the doctor, he's not doing it to be good at all. I think he's doing it because you can get the doctor in his pocket. Yeah, well, which is what we said earlier. Yeah. So, it's so not, I don't think there's any sort of altruism no, in it at all. No. no, I think right from the start, he's sort of thinking that this guy's got my back. If if Oak was yeah horribly wrong, yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah. In fact, that's that's clearly what it is, isn't it? Yeah, he needs to change the doctor so that he can w- manipulate the doctor as well. Yeah, okay. So he's still a nasty bastard, right? Yeah. Okay. The play. We go to the play, and it's rap night. Uh, they're having a bit of a drinks party, and um, then she goes to the chemist, and she says. I'm tired of being the other woman. Yeah. Uh, that's it. It's over. It's it's over until... I'm leaving until... And she's talking about a flight, isn't she? She's actually yeah, leaving she's the country. Philadelphia yeah. or somewhere like that she's going to. And, and I'll come back when I can be assured that she's gone and I'm the only one in the picture. And quite a bit of manipulation there. She's sort of saying that I can work for solicitors... Uh, for lawyers over there. Yeah. I think she's just she might meet somebody or yeah. something like that. So I could stay. It's how much you want me. Now, this links back, then, to what Roald Dahl said about the Tigers at the beginning. Right. Because we're now 
if you remember, you go, what did he say at the beginning? Ah, yeah. This is about killing the wife. So now he's got to find an interesting way of killing the wife. He can't use tigers, but he's got to find some... What did you say? Uh, re, re something. Uh, go back to your notes at the beginning. The oh yeah is is re, re re resourceful. Resourceful means remember resourceful methods. Right, is that right? Because less refined. Let, oh. <laughs> well, refine less refined methods. Okay, so. What he does is <laughs> oh well, what they do is decide that it's going to be murder. Yeah. And what he's had a thought about something, but he won't go into it with her because it's too gruesome to mention. I mean, he's had, he's had a thought about driving his car into a into a pond yeah. and escaping. Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to be a non-starter, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, but the, all of these things is kind of like, as soon as they've said, it's probably going to be murder that does it, and then he says, I've got I've got an idea for a particular murder that you're not going to want to hear. Yeah. It's, like, it's a bit, come on. Anyway. Because, because just... Out of sort of interest's sake. Yeah. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Unless she's doing the reverse psychology. So she's going, oh, yeah, probably don't. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. You do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what it turns out he's doing is he's going to poison the cho- some chocolates and give them to his wife as a present. So he gets out a chocolate, one of the uh, kegs, the caramel kegs, I think. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, I've got a memory of... Uh, you used to get a lime keg. I don't know if... if no, yeah. you can see by my face, I'm not aware of this. <laughs> uh, which which I quite like. I mean, one thing I find with lime sweets is they don't taste anything like lime. <laughs> yeah, that's Because right. if they did, nobody could eat them, could they? <laughs> but the actual taste of a lime sweet I really like. And you used to get like a lime cordial keg. Right. And it looked just like that, that, but obviously it had lime cordial. Yeah, well, a bit uh, like a liqueur, but without any sort of alcohol in it. Yeah, so my, uh, the caramel keg was, I think, Rose's. It was a Roses one. Oh, it was Quality Street, one of the two. Right. But it was, that was the one I looked forward to the most. Really? That was the one I'd go to. And you get, like, usually get two or three in each box. And I'd try and have at least two if, if they're being passed around at Christmas time at my nana's house. <laughs> um, so he's made, this is quite a, a bit of sciencey bit here. So he gets the syringe out and he puts the poison in. We don't know what poison it is, but then he, he get, injects it into the chockey and then. And then gets a little bit of uh, hot metal and reforms yeah, the chocolate. He, he lights a burner, doesn't he? I mean, it's very metal good. Split. Yeah, and it is. I'm quite impressed. I that, like that bit because yeah. I, I thought perhaps he'll just rub it with his finger, you know, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's done it the right way, and he's, he's made the shape of the cake. Yeah, he does a really good really job. Really good it. job. Well done, Doc. Uh, no farm, farmo, <laughs> pharmacist, chemi, chemo. <laughs> Now, we go back home. Yeah. And she's eating chocolates, normal chocolates. Yeah, she's had some friends around to see her who brought her some chocolates. And he says, oh, here's some other chocolates for you. And he's got, it's quite a flash box. Yeah. It's the one that he's poisoned up. Yeah, this this is the poisoned one, the no-go. But it's it's a flash-looking box. Then he says, uh, oh, then she says, the doctor called and... 
I don't understand why because I've got a doctor, but you know it sounds like he's going to do some work for me. Yeah. So you know we'll see what what goes on there. Then again, it's another flash forward. Well, and she, at this point he says, "Are you going to have some of your chocolates or something?" Oh yeah, yeah. She says, "No, I'm going to save these for tomorrow." She because she's about to open them. Yeah. And then she goes, "No, I tell you what, I'll have them later." So she does. She she's going to wait on that. Again, we flash forward now then. This is the drive home. So he locks up the chemist, gets in his car, drives home, and he's he can't even put his lock the door on his car. Yeah, I thought that's quite quite a little bit of detail. Yeah, because he's Nervous. shaking with anticipation. <laughs> and then he gets into the house, it's all quiet. The shaver's out on the side though. Is it? Is it there? Yeah, yeah. so she was at work. And then he walks into the room and She's she's lying. She's laying there with what you could only be described as looking like she's dead. Yeah. Oh God, she's dead. She's been murdered, Rob. So what he does is he approaches her and he has to come up with some way of finding out yeah. whether she is in fact dead or alive. Yeah. So this is one thing that he tries. It goes for the pulse. No, 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 no. That's that's not good enough. No. I'll reach into her bag and get a little pocket mirror and then put it like do it under the nose so you can see the condensation on the whereas alternatively he could have gone Mary <laughs> or you right? shout and say hello hello <laughs> yeah absolutely loads of other things he could have tried but anyway she, she wakes as he's in the process of getting the mirror and he comes up with a story about checking a sty in his eye. I've got a sty in my eye, yeah. And that reminds me of those kind of like Basil Faulty bits where he's checking the walls <laughs> for, I don't know, for hollowness or something like that. And then she says, Ah, the doctor has basically counselled me. Yeah. I do have an addiction, but I've got support from people. We've worked out a bit of a programme. I'm going to lose three pounds each week. And I'm going to be, I'm doing it not just for me, but for... For you, for us, we're going to be happy together. And then he says, oh, so, I love this line, so those chocks that I bought were a waste of money. (laughs) And she goes, no, 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 we're not a waste of money. Get ready for it. I gave those to Francis because her plane was delayed. And I said, there you go, have some chocolates. And then close up of his face as he's hearing all of this. His missus is the winner and Francis has lost and so too has the the pharmacist guy a bit of a moral tale really it is now then what uh, my point then credits roll end end of uh, the show now then in all the ones the, the last couple have been slightly different but in all the ones where somebody is trying to commit a murder or get away with murder we've ended up slightly on their side somehow we've ended up on their side yeah but this one I'm totally opposite I, I want I want him to get caught I don't want him to get away yeah with it. I, I'm, I'm re- I really detest this this man this mister yeah because I'm thinking the uh, the one where the guy starves to death in the lift. Yeah, we were, we we, wanted we, her we to glad, get We're glad that he happens to yeah. him. Terrible way to go. Uh, lamb to slaughter. What, like, you know, it's an horrible, it's a brutal crime, and yet really wanted her to win. Yeah. It's it's a weird, these, the tales do weird things to you. <laughs> that was it, wasn't it? That was just the ending. The tales do weird things to you. Well, I expect we could put a little bit of music in there. Right, um... So that's it. So, 
where uh, that's it that's the end of that show I enjoyed that one yeah I, I think you know we're, we're in a bit of a, of a golden seam here yeah. I think you the know. last three have been wonderful episodes yeah uh, I mean what's coming up next is uh, Taste Oh, which is which is a good one. Uh, Ron Moody uh, playing a uh, wine connoisseur. I love this one. Yes, uh, yes, this is a good one. The somebody's house, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's a really good look. Yeah, one. The dinner party. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah, yeah. Good, good episode. This one. Right. Well, that wraps things up for this episode. I didn't mean to say it so staccato, but <laughs> there you have it. Um, Please uh, write to us uh, or you know email us. email us or do do whatever you need to do. Let us know you're interested. We're we're going to carry on, by the way. Okay, that's how stubborn we are. <laughs> we're just going to keep doing this because we love doing this. Um, but yeah, love to hear your input. Um, keep listening, and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. See you in a fortnight, as we say. Bye bye. Right. Catchphrase. Um, see you in a fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst catchphrase. <laughs>